Hey there, my name is Ricky Smith, and I'm the founder of Random Acts of Kindness Everywhere, a nonprofit that simply does exactly what it says, promote kindness everywhere. We know the world is crazy right now. If you are searching for a podcast that has a deeper conversation about race, my co-host Angel Gray and I will be discussing everything going on right now on our podcast, Random Acts of Podcast on Blue Wire Podcast Network. To find out more, go to rakenow.org. Enjoy the show. Blue Wire. Three on the way! Yes! Paul George nails it! To the win! Welcome back, Dunks and Discourse, episode 18. Uh, it feels like we have a million things to talk about. Um, it's funny how we went, Jabari and I went from doing, you know, one podcast a week to doing two a week for the last two months, and then, you know, obviously going on a bit of a hiatus, uh, you know, trying to be respectful of everything that was happening in the United States last week. Uh, it, it, it feels literally forever. I have so many things I want to talk about. It's, uh, it's overwhelming. Jabari, how you doing, man? I'm doing okay, man, and you're exactly right. You know, what has it been? Literally one calendar week since the two of us did a show together. Yeah, and uh, it, it 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 does feel like forever. Of course, all of this is under the back with the backdrop of everything still going on. But you know, for the terms of the show, yeah, let, let's jump into it. Yeah, um, you know, really quick, I just i I got a, a DM from a listener on uh, Friday last week, um, asking me. You know, respectfully asking why we didn't drop a podcast on Thursday, and he's had enough of Black Lives Matter. No offense, he said, and uh, he just he just wanted to take his mind off of it. And the world sucks, and he just wanted something good. What's his point? And um, you know, I, I was kind of I, I can kind of vibe with that, and that is often what sports is. That's what movies are. That's what podcasts are. Um, and and I, and I respect that you listen enough that you were missing that episode. Uh, but at the same time, like, I mean, there was a reason that we did that. And, and it felt I really wanted to do that, too. Like, I just want to put that out there. Like, I really wanted to record uh, on Sunday when, when I gave up my spot. And I really wanted to record on Wednesday when we chose not to. Because, because like all of you, I was pretty overwhelmed by the terribleness of the world uh, last week. But there was a reason that we didn't. And it, and it was just doing, you know, like, the smallest part to not take away from the moment. And, and like Jabari said, you know, it's not over. It's just that was something that we, that Jabari and I talked through and thought we should do. So I just, one, I appreciate the support, but two, I would say, you know, take a, take a moment and, and consider why we might've done that. Cause it's not like Jabari and I didn't want to have a podcast. Yeah. Like, of course, you know, if everything, everything's perfect, we're not having to have these conversations, but that's not the reality. So, yeah. but we won't, we won't belabor that. Yeah, and I, I mean, if you didn't catch the pod last week that, that you know, uh, Damien and Jabari did together, Damien Barley, um, it, it was a great pod, it was a great conversation, and, and I think it was very timely. But we but we are back, we we're going to talk basketball, we're going to talk movies. Um, I, I just kind of want to get that out there, because, you know, you, like you can you can enjoy the pod and miss the pod and, and want, to take, want us to see us take off, because obviously we want that too, and just still, you know, kind of understand the context of, of, of the greater situation. And... Um, with that, I, I did want to share, you know, Jabari and I were quite thrilled that we, you know, almost quadrupled up our downloads uh, from from the first month to the second month. 
So if you are enjoying the podcast, you know, keep it coming. Keep the feedback coming. Keep interacting with us on Twitter. Keep giving your feedback on the polls. Like, rate, subscribe, review. Uh, we really appreciate it. And I mean, it's Jabari and I do put a lot into this and we both love this and it's kind of our baby. But at the same time, it's, it's, it's very validating and uh, great to see those numbers shoot up. Yeah, without a doubt. Like, it, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I hadn't even noticed that it that it had taken off quite as much until you pointed it out. Uh, because the truth of the matter is, you and I both know we would do this. You know, if there were ten of you guys out there that were listening. Now, we're, you know, we're not going to be, you know, like, you know <laughs> all uh, you know, pie in the sky. Of course, it does help when there are more than ten. But you know, but this is the truth. We love doing this show. Uh, so, you know, so far, I can't believe it's only been two months. Uh, you know, so far, we, you know, we've already had a ton of feedback and a ton of folks that are, you know, following us on Twitter, following, the, you know, the show ad on Twitter. Once again, that's at Dunks Discourse. Of course, Josh is at Josh Everly and I'm at Jabari Davis NBA. Uh, you know, so yeah, everything is going exactly where we need it to go. And, uh, and while, again, of course, we're not ignoring anything, it's great to be. It's great to have some sports to talk about again. Yeah. And, and I mean, we'll transition here and I'll just say shout out. Shout out to the answer. Alan Iverson turns 45 today as we're recording this. Uh, I, I think I told this story before. I don't know if I've done it on Dunks and Discourse, but my very first like competitive basketball camp, my, I had two coaches, and uh, like my OG basketball debate was Iverson or Kobe. That was the first <laughs> real, like my two coaches were heated debating this, and this was either 99 or 2000. So before AI had won the MVP, but uh, yeah, so that feels like forever ago. So for me, I'll admit, obviously, you know, I go back a little bit longer. A little, little bit, bit further. Longer, yeah, yeah. A little bit further. A little bit further. Now, truth be told, I, I first caught on to Iverson, excuse me, when he was like a senior in high school. And it wasn't like we had, you know, it wasn't like we had all types of footage or anything. You just heard about this young this young boy that, you know, that was super athletic. You know, he, he was kind of small, slight of build, but you know, it would, would just astound you. When that man hit the you know, hit the streets and went to, and got to Georgetown. Now, obviously, everybody that was you know on, on the east on the east coast and you know other parts, you know they were already aware. But it was it was just completely eye opening to the point where I understand. Like looking back on it, I understand why he you know why he made such an impact you know from a cultural perspective, let alone you know the, the basketball stuff. So for me, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, you know, I, I get a little bit sentimental. So at, you know, seeing him at 45 is just absolutely crazy to me. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I still love Iver, Iverson. Um, I think his his 01 team specifically is put down a, a bit too much to prop him up. There were some good players that, and the system was, we'll play D Iverson, you will get buckets. But uh, his his rookie year to end and to end the season, he had he went for 44, 40, 44, 50, 40, five straight games. They lost all five. Not one of those games was within five, and he played forty three or more minutes in all of them. Um, he was the show, Josh. Like that's yeah. <laughs> that's all they had at that at that point. And it's funny because he's one of the guys that like I was most confused with because coming up, I you know like per that last conversation, I thought Iverson was that dude. Um, like elite, 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 and then as I got like more involved in basketball writing and then looking at statistics and kind of just like evolved at how I, at, you know, and how I looked at the game, mm-hmm. reconciling what AI did and you know winning four scoring titles and being an MVP, but like not being efficient and his teams not having a time, like he 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 remains one of the tougher guys to contextualize, you know, in the modern era. And even you know I've had a half dozen de- decent conversations about like. Does spacing change his game 
today significantly given that, you know, he was who he was and his mentality was what it was. And he, he, he remains one of the more fun guys to have a conversation about because he is so so valued by the basketball watching community did all this great stuff and yet at the same time he had so many obvious flaws and he's, he's a fun player to talk about yeah he, he's, he's one of those perfect like what if guys you know what if conversations and you know like let, let's take a deeper look conversation like for instance what would have happened if he had been able to have Larry Brown as his coach you know for the duration of his run or at least for a, a larger you know uh, portion of it I, I I genuinely believe that he, you know, he may have had more success and I, and I think it would I think right now some of his numbers you know and, and some of you know some of the stuff would be uh, would, would back up you know like how you know my generation feels about him a little bit a little bit better but you know but you're right like uh uh, there are certain realities when it comes to when it comes to the, the actual numbers that he put out there versus what I remember him as and what I will always see him as. Yeah, he's one of the hardest guys to separate from. Like, no, 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 he he was bad. He could score on anybody, and then you look and you're like, wow, he shot forty one percent that season. Dang. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that that's neither here nor there. It's just one of the fun conversations with him. And I, you know, I, I will last thing on this. I saw like a poll. I can't remember who it was from. It was, it was over a week ago, but it was like, what was hit better, him crossing over Jordan or him stepping over Lou? That's a no. That's a no contest, man. It, him stepping over Lou is far more iconic. It's him stepping over Lou. The reason why, the only reason why it's a conversation of him stepping over Jordan is because of the way that my generation and the generation before us looked at Mike. At that time, it was like, what? What? Like, and, and, and you know, you look back and it's like, okay, you got crossed up. Like that happens in basketball. It's just like when somebody gets dunked on, that happens in basketball. If you play basketball long enough and you play it at a you know a competitive level, that's going to take place. But it it it, it was just that moment because it was like, okay, mm-hmm. we got young boy, we got old, you know, like what at the time was old school. Let's see what you got. But yes, you, you step over somebody in the finals in a game where it's the only game of that entire final you know, or playoff run that that great Lakers team. Yeah, you're right. I'm gonna rub that in. That incredible, that wonderful yeah. Lakers team. Well, that that is the most meaningful. Uh, yeah, I don't I, like, but I mean, it's more iconic too. Like more people remember, more people could draw you a sketch of AI's knee coming up over Lou uh-huh. than they could Jordan swinging the other way on the crossover. And anybody can get caught on the dribble, you know, especially his AI. But like. Yeah, like you said, I mean, he he's the MVP that year, and it's the only time the Lakers take an L. Like, it, it's it's over, Lou. Um, yeah. All due respect, it's over, Lou. Um, so with the NBA talk, we, we, we do actually have some significant news. We are actually going to get to see an NBA season, although we still live in this crazy shithole 2020 warp time vision bullshit. We're like, I'm listening to the low post this morning um, before it. And they're like, yeah, well, hopefully, like, we're still not sure this is all going to go down because, you know, if there's a second wave or we, I mean, they have a plan. We have a date. Uh, the NBA is going to bring 22 teams. We're going to do the bubble. What's your thoughts? My thoughts, you know, we've talked about this over the last month or so, and, and, and I remain the same. If they were if they were able to make it back with the, you know, Accepting the fact that yes, it's a risk, and I hope everybody you know stays as safe as possible, you know, from you know from the players across the board. But if they if they're able to make it back, I'm not going to complain. I'm I'm you know I, I don't have a problem with it being 22. I wouldn't have had a problem with it being 16, except for I actually the only thing that would have bothered me if they had tried to come back after that you know long of a layoff and just go straight into the playoffs. So outside of that, I, I have no problem with it. It you know like I said, it's a risk, but you know it, it's obviously a risk that everybody's willing that everybody's willing to take, and you know I'm here for it. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: I don't really want these regular season games. 
I, I, I didn't need these 20. I have no interest in watching the Washington Wizards or Phoenix Suns play another basketball game this year. Zero. And, uh, uh, like, you know, Low laid it out, too, on the low post. Like, there's basically no situation where the Suns could get in. They're just and it, and I know players have talked about um, it's impossible to hop into playoff level basketball mm-hmm. initially without a warm up. But I I think what I like I, you know respectfully I disagree. Uh, you can you can get into game shape without playing games. Just um, just wait 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 wait. How are you gonna do? How how can you respectfully disagree with these guys now? Because yes, because yes because yes we we've, we've done athletic things before. No 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 no. Hold on hold on hold on. I'm not saying I understand better than an NBA player what it's like to play in the NBA playoffs, but this is not the same thing. Okay. You are not a player who's been hurt, who's been out three months, immediately hopping into the playoffs against guys that have maintained game shape and been playing games the whole time. Everyone is on the same level. Yes. They are on this. We are on the same playing field, and. The other part of this is that minimizing exposure has to be priority number one. So while I understand all players are like, it feels crazy to just start, you know, playing playoff level basketball, you are all playing at that same point. And there's a, you know, a huge caveat here of if the pandemic spreads and we have another outbreak, it's going to sink all of it. So let's suppose Devin Booker, um, comes down with Corona, gives it to Bradley Beal, who gives it to Damian Lillard, who gives it to whoever, Jason Tatum, gives it to LeBron James. And and this is before the playoffs. We, we essentially wasted, we put this whole run together to play some BS games that aren't going to matter. So I, I hear you in theory, but just no. You, can't, you cannot just go from, it doesn't matter that they've all been dealing with it. Now that comes into play when you have the silly conversation regarding an asterisk. That is where it's like, no, shut up. There's no asterisks. Everybody's going through the same thing, and it, and it sucks for everybody. But in terms, but but in terms of of, of trying to ramp it, you know, ramp it back up and play and play not just NBA basketball, but playoff, you know, playoff intensity basketball. There's no way you can just go into it without without these games. And I recognize that you, the more games you have, the more exposure you have, the more risk you're taking. But they all, you know, they knew what they they knew this job was dangerous when they took it. And, and what I mean by that, I'm not talking about being an NBA player agreeing to go back into it. I I, I could not I could not agree any less uh, with the idea that they could just you know just go right back and, and start. Yeah, you know, see, I like I again, I, I can't agree. I, I I think this the risk of you know playing at a pace that you're not super comfortable with is less risky at this point than playing extra meaningless games in the middle of a pandemic um you know like but we've seen but we've seen what takes place when you know when you have long layoffs even if you have been doing even if you've been doing actual basketball acclimated you know activities it's not the same as playing in an intense nba game to you know to to think that we could just have these guys okay all right, just like simulation mode, like it's 2K. All right, now you're back in. There's no, that's just not a possibility. And I hear you. I'm actually not arguing against the idea that you're taking more of a risk. You just can't do that, though. Well, and I think it, I, I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't know, like, I'm not, I'm not medically qualified enough to talk about, like, what is the long term risk of trying to play, you know, 40 minutes after not playing, you know, any minutes. But, um, I'm, not, I'm also not trying to be the old curmudgeon where, like, you know, other players back in the day would have done it. But at the same time, I, I don't know how much six regular season games that guys are going to, you know, for lack of a better word, you know, put, foot through um, 
are, are, are going to change that. Like, I don't know how that's going to bring them up to speed. I, I, I'm, I'm very cynical that this process is, you know, based in fact and science either, and it's going to make that much of a difference. Well, I guess, I guess more than anything, we're just going to have to, you know, obviously we're going to wait and see. I know that's, you know, of course we're going to have to wait and see, but I, I outside, and this is a big outside of, outside of the, you know, the, the continued risk of exposure, I just don't see how this could, could, any, could in any way be a bad thing. Like, the, 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 the human body needs that time. Like, it, it just does. Especially, let's be honest, especially when you've got a lot of your teams that, you know, that, that you are looking at competing for a title. They've got some older players, whether it's the you know old old thirty five or you know somewhere like right in their prime. You you simply cannot have these guys going out, and and there's still going to be a risk even after eight games. But you simply can't have to have these guys going out pulling hamstrings and ter- and tearing and tearing groins, you know, trying to you know trying to just jump in you know jump into the mix at such a high, yeah high at such a higher rate. Excuse me. Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously not hoping like that's not what anyone hopes is going to happen. But yeah. that's also probably the reality of trying to. You know, stop start a season regardless yeah. at this point too. Not to it, be cynical, but somebody's going to have something bad happen. Uh, it, you're probably right. You're probably um, right. Kevin Durant has said that his season is over. You know, kind of ended the speculation. I am really split on this um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, Five thirty-eight put together some stats of all the you know bigger name players to uh, tear an Achilles. Take time off, you know, statistically what they looked like uh, before and after. So, um, you know, the, the names that they had listed on this chart, DeMarcus Cousins, Rudy Gay, Wesley Matthews, Kobe Bryant, Chauncey Billups, Elton Brand, LaFonso Ellis, and Dominique Wilkins. The only guy statistically to have a better season, you know, after returning was, was Dominique. Dominique, yeah. And, you know, we, we, we've had this conversation, and I think caution is important. And, excuse me. And I understand being hesitant to bring back Kevin Durant, especially with everything we just talked about. But to not even, like, give it a go in these six games, because the thing is the longest amount of recovery time anyone has ever taken before KD was DeMarcus Cousins, who took 357 days. Uh, Kobe came back after 240, Billups after 296, Dominique after 283. Like, uh, so so basically, like just under a year, around a year, um, is has been what's described. You know, like again, who knows Google? But I was googling and said on average about nine months. On July thirty first, Kevin Durant will have been sitting out four hundred and fourteen days, like mm-hmm. give or take three months longer than anybody else, two three months, and it's just like what. If you if you're good to play and you're healthy, and it was reported a week earlier that he's been you know playing five on five and doing practices. Like, why not come give it a shot, see how you feel for a couple of these regular season BS games before ruling yourself out? I mean, am, am I wrong to think that? Uh, you're not wrong, but it, I, I'm going to throw some you know, some counterpoints that could be the case. What if he's been playing in these five-on-five games and he recognizes while, while yes, he's sound in body, he's just not ready? You know what I mean? Like, because like I don't think I don't think you just make that decision. He's like, eh, yeah, I just don't feel like it. I feel like you know Kevin Durant is a type of individual that is going to you know is going to think about it, going to you know make come to a conclusion and and go with it. But I don't think it I don't think it's ne- it's necessarily just a matter of, uh yeah, I just don't feel like it. 
You know, like there has to be somebody either his internally telling him, his own body telling him or somebody else telling him, hey, you know what? It would be better off if you just gave it until the, you know, until until the next opportunity, you know, until the next opportunity presents itself, which likely in all likelihood will be, you know, uh, mid to late uh, November or early December. But the other side of this is. Let's be real. This is Kevin Durant. We know that he pays attention, and, and you know we've already made it clear. All these guys pay attention to it, just like we pay attention to our comments, our reviews, and all of the feedback that we get. This guy knows that with you know with okay, you've got first of all you've got a interim coach situation. You know Kenny Atkinson is not there. Uh, Kyrie may or may not be there. If I'm not mistaken, I think it says you know I think it says you know, he's probably not going to be there. Yeah, he's not going to play. I don't think either. If you're Kevin Durant, even though yes, it would be great for us and would give us all types of things that we could talk about, all types of fun storylines. Like, oh, can he run the table? Can he summons it? I probably would make that decision as well, unless I was just so so sure that it, you know I, I would you know I was supremely confident in my physical ability to the point where I just had to get out there. I probably would make this you know make this same decision. I, I, I would love to see it broken down. Like if somebody did a podcast with, you know, a team doctor and it's like, what are the risks of coming back early versus the rust you acquire from not playing at an NBA level for close to two years? Because if he doesn't come back until December, we're talking like 600 days since this guy's played an NBA game. That is, well, a, that is, a, a, that? but what about that, the idea of like, okay, so but, is, is but, it going to make it worse just a couple hundred more days? I don't know. You know, like, does it make it any better? Is he any more ready? Like, the the quote here that his teammate gave, Timothy Luau Kabura, I don't know if I said that right. Um, he's been healthy for five months practicing. Yeah. Like, that's a significant amount of time that Katie's been working out, getting in the gym, getting in reps, scrimmaging, whatever. Um, that's a lot of time, man. And, and I just don't know. Again, like, I, I'm not trying to shame him in. Like, my, my stand on this has always been, like, if you're not good to go, don't go. But if you're good to go, like if you've been practicing five months, you know, you're getting paid a lot of money by the Brooklyn Nets and you're 32. Like how many, you know, like you're Kevin Durant. You could swing the series. Like you, I, I don't know, man. It, it feels, and I, I would love, what I'm saying too is I would love to have it like broken down for me. Like what are the risks of rust versus coming back early? Um, what what does that look like? Is there a coming back early? Like what to what effect does age play in the fact that he's going to be 32 years old um, heading into next season? What does that play into it? Uh, you know, what's funny about it is I, I, I think something tells me you're going to get that. Like, you know, he, he's got his own production company, and, he, and he's put, you know, he, he's been generating content, you know, quite a bit over the last few years. Something would, you know, it would shock me if they don't have, like, you know, Road to Redemption or Comeback, however they want to, you know, you know title it. They don't have that already in the works. So I, I do believe that you're going to get that. I just don't, you know, and and you know who you know, you'll determine at that point whether you're satisfied, you know, with what the answer is. But I, you know, again, I don't think you make the, I don't think he makes this decision in a vacuum. I, don't, I I honestly think that all of these things have been factored in because, of course, the Kevin Durant. If anything, we know he's a hooper. We know he's a guy that truly loves, breathes, lives, bleeds, you know, in your know, basketball, whether it's on the NBA court or anywhere else. So I don't think that if he, you know, if 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 everything was a hundred percent right in quote unquote he's been ready for five months i don't think yeah. you know, we would ha- we would be having this conversation yeah i don't know man i don't like i don't know i don't know where to sit on the nets anymore too and it's made all these conversations with them so hard like mm-hmm. kyrie irving is just broken man. like that dude like you talk about the per the per- proverbial uh injury plate like Kyrie is just in pieces, man. Like, are he and, like, Katie ever going to be healthy? Like, are they ever going to be a contender together? You know, you, you forget about all, like, the leadership and the little debates and the trades and whatever else. 
Like, this is... It's crazy those two names is still, like, far from a given to do anything together. Yeah, yeah, and... and and maybe that's part of it as well. Just like, okay, look, we, we, we agreed to come here together uh, with things not being ideal and things not being 100%. Let's just press reset after this season and 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 give it and give it a you know a, a, a full fledged you know effort as opposed to I'll come back and you know here and you know like I start working on you know these dynamics and then you you know you come you know you come you know, uh, you know next season. I can actually see that you know that being you know part of the reason for the decision as well. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I, I, it's too bad. Um, yeah. And like, I know that the Vegas odds—they were getting just a ton of action, you know, a month ago <laughs> on nets. But like, there was a like, honestly, if you told me Kyrie and, and Kevin were healthy, uh, I, I wouldn't have been shocked to see them come out. Neither would I. And here's the funny one for you: I'm not going to poo-poo this because when they first announced, when they first announced the possibility that the Lakers and Nets could face one another, and those two could have been there. Not that I thought that oh they, they would have been some you know impossible force. It's just of oh what the hell? Why did you know why do the Lakers have to start off with that? Yeah, that's a little bit. I, I would legitimately like as a LeBron fan was like a, I felt a little fear. I was like. There, there's not, there's like, a, there's like a fifteen percent chance that if Kyrie and Katie are healthy, even without getting a lot of games under their legs, that they could punch the Lakers in the mouth. In Look, round you, one. you have two scores like that in a yeah. series. If they both get hot, anything can take place. Even it doesn't matter where, whether you have all the perfect guys to match up with them. When you have an, you know, two elite scores, uh, uh, you know, at that level, two guys that can go out and get their buckets, and you know, like, and you, know, you know, to the level that, that that each of them can, that's dangerous and that's a scary, that's a scary thought. So. So yes, I, I I I'm not saying it because I'm not you know saying all this because I you know I don't want it to take place because I do acknowledge that would be scary. I just get it. Yeah, and uh, you know like let, let's transition. We'll get more news as it comes. Um, <clears throat> you know, a, a NBA season on the way back, July 31st, which still feels like forever, by the way. Like we're still <laughs> 55 days away from it. Um, but you know, it's it's on the way. Um, with that said, we're gonna do we're gonna do the top ten Spielberg movies. Thank you to all of you who ranked those, rated those, reviewed those. Before we do that, though, Jabari, uh, what have you been watching over the last ten days? Man, so much, so much. Okay, so I wanted to quickly show show Billions from Love. I'm not going to spoil it, so no worries on spoiler alerts with this one, especially since you've been slacking and haven't been watching it. But I wanted to specifically show them some love because for one, the show is so damn good. Two, I love Brian Koppelman and David Levian. Both of them are great followers on Twitter. Um, and quite frankly, given all the stuff that's taking place right now, I actually respect both of them because they've, they've kind of like turned over their timeline to you know highlighting this and showcasing this and haven't been talking about their show. So I'm going to talk about it a little bit. Uh, it's one of the it, – it's for anybody that loved Game of Thrones or any of those shows that is kind of like like courtroom type you know banter back and forth, you know, regardless of whether the setting is, this is your show. The principal characters are performed by you know, Paul Giamatti, uh, Maggie Siff, uh, and Damian Lewis, uh, you know, but they really do a phenomenal job with filling out the cast with one of the stronger groups of performers that I honestly have ever seen in a show. Like, you know, just consistently money each scene, each episode. Uh, a few seasons back, they added Asia, um, Asia Kate Dillon, uh, who's incredible. Um, John Malkovich had a good run in it. Uh, this season, they added Corey, uh, Corey Stoll. For anybody that's not you know familiar with the name, I know you've seen him. House of Cards, Ant-Man, uh, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, Juliana Margolis, like, honestly, I can't talk about this show enough. I get, you know, I'm not getting paid anything for it. I would love to, but I, I, honestly, this is one of the finer shows over the last 20 years. Yeah, and the thing, the thing with Billions is, like, I, I was caught up, and then... I was like not watching anything on Crave, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. which is like my HBO streamer in Canada. Okay. And their interface sucks. Crave's interface is absolute worst. So here, maybe I'm guaranteeing we're never getting paid, but Crave, fix your interface. <laughs> it's absolutely brutal. It freezes all the time. The search function's wonky. You know, Netflix puts it to shame. So I was kind of like, you know what? It's going to be out of the rotation for a bit. So I got Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus. When I'm done cycling through one of the, all of that, I'll drop one. I'll take it back. I'll come back to Billions. It is a fantastic show. Like, I, I do really, did really, really enjoy the show. But, uh, yeah, I just don't got it right now. Just so. because, just because I'm curious, where are you in it? Uh, have I, is this season four? This is, I think, season five. Okay, and I think I watched the first four seasons already. Okay, got it, got yeah. it. Well, so, like, I, I'm just not the most the most recent season I haven't seen. Got it. Well, I strongly recommend it. And then two other quick ones. I uh, won't go through them, but I'll just quickly. Hintified on Netflix. Kind of along the same lines of when I highlighted Netflix's, you know, Black AF. Uh, this is a show that follows a family that's, uh, if I'm not mistaken, from Boyle Heights or East Los Angeles. Uh, they own a longtime restaurant, and you know they're trying to simultaneously fight off, you know, some of the pitfalls and dangers that you know go you know, that, that come along with gentrified neighborhoods, but also uh, at the same time trying to compete and find their way in a new gentrified society forming around them. So really good cast, strongly recommended. It. It's called Hintified, and the other one. You know I'm a sucker for anything based around Los Angeles, so it's Penny Dreadful, City of Angels. It's basically the battle of good versus evil under the backdrop of 1930s Los Angeles. So it's going through the early days of the LAPD and Hollywood and all of that. So I was in from the start, you know, just given the setting, but it's actually really good. Yeah, I, should, I gave like an episode of Penny Dreadful a try, and then I thought it was okay, and I don't remember why I never came back to it, but that's, that's one that's kind burn. of been circling for a minute. Um you know what? I, so the two I gave been watch or watching them more or less. I watched a lot of movies actually the last ten days. But the two shows, uh, Queen of the South season four popped on Netflix. Okay. Have you watched any of that? I have not. I've heard good things. Actually, I, I like it, man. And I feel like this is one of the things. Uh, if it was a male lead, mm-hmm. it would get more hype. Okay. If it was Queen of the South, we'd, we'd we'd be all over it. I feel like honestly, I don't know what what the holdup is. It's very uh, Mexican cartel sons of anarchy esque. Ooh, you know. Okay. So uh, you know, Kingdom of God, which we were talking about a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so Alice Braga plays like the wife of a of a drug runner, and she kind of gets thrown into the middle of it, and then she kind of slowly becomes the boss over the first couple seasons, as you know. You know, things change. She's basically forced to, like, step out of her role. And, you know, uh, so it's kind of like her rise to power, which is something, you know, people seem to love, like, the in, in just about any show ever. And then, you know, the violence, how do you keep the empire? How do you expand the empire? Uh, you know, the, the tricky relationships with police, other gangs, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I, I, it's pretty good, man. Like, I'm not going to say it's all time or anything, but it has a very Sons of Anarchy vibe to me. Um, so I, I, I binged the whole fourth season this last week, and then I was very, very hopeful that <laughs> I was very, very hopeful that Space Force was going to be fun and good, <laughs> especially as I'm wrapping up um, the final season of my office rewatch here. Mm-hmm. I, I watched the first episode. I was very underwhelmed. The voice that they make Steve Carell do makes me want to throw my head through the wall. I don't know what the <laughs> point is. Um, the second episode, I, I couldn't even finish. There's a whole scene where like Steve Carell is talking to a monkey who they're hoping is going to fix a spaceship. And it is just absolutely brutal. Uh, painful television. So I stopped it about halfway through. And I was like, I'm not watching any more of the show. However, you know me, two days later, I popped it back on because I didn't know what else I was doing with myself. Mm-hmm. And I was just in a different mood. 
and it was kind of funny. So I'm on about episode five right now. It's not it's not even close to matching expectations, but uh, it, it's on there. It, it is on Netflix right now. <laughs> it, it, it's available. It's available yeah. for anybody that wants to watch it. Not gonna lie, I watched the preview for. I, yeah, I watched a little thing for it, and I said, not a chance. Um, my, uh, you know, th- that that person that will remain nameless, uh, that, you know, that we share share these experiences with, they told me, oh no, it's really good, and I thought, yeah, I, t- I just feel like it can't possibly be. Watched thirty seconds of what? Now, honestly, I probably watched like five minutes of the first episode and turned it right off. If it, 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 I might circle back it like you, uh, you know, have my uh, road to Damascus moment with it, but. It just uh, it, it wasn't hidden for me. Yeah, I, I gotta say the it, it's un, probably unfair of me to hope for that like the office in space. Yeah, which is what I was hoping for, right? Like that's what I, like he's well, come Steve Crow's come back hoping. to sitcom. Yeah, yeah I, I want I want this, and it's not that. But then the creative choice to make Steve Carell like the ambitious, semi-serious career army guy rather than like a total imbecile was a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, it's very much missing. And again, like maybe the office comparisons aren't the same. It's very much missing, like the Dwight. It, it, it's yeah. missing, like a guy that's pure comedy all the time. Because both Steve Carell and, and John Malkovich, who play the leads, even though they both have their own semi-funny moments at time, are both like professionals, you know, debating about the future of space, which is just not that funny. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would not be okay. That, that, that's not what I would go to that show for. You know, yeah, like you can have one guy doing that, but yeah, okay, I got you. I'm like five episodes in, and Steve Carell's like trying to militarize space because he's a military guy, and he's you know trying to make it smart. And John Malkovich is like, oh, space is like an ideological difference between the head scientist and the general running space force, and and they just don't. There's no other character so far that you know. Again, I'm only in episode five of ten. But there's no other character that's really been funny. And, like, they have Ben Schwartz in there, uh, Parks and Rec, and I don't know what else. Um, They don't use him. They they just make him the dumb social media guy. He gets, like, two minutes an episode. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I I, I think he could have used – I think season two is already in the works. So I think they need to go back to the drawing board and make some changes. Yeah, I was gonna say with the backing, you know, that they have with you know, with that cast, they're not just going to you know, they're not just gonna scrap it after you know, after one season. So, maybe, you know, maybe by the end of the first season and you know heading into season two, it picks up in, in those ways. Uh, you know, we'll see. Let me know because yeah. for now it's a no for me, but it's not it's not a definitive no. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you all that I'm not gonna watch it, but chances are come Thursday we're gonna talk about how I finish the season. You so, watch it. You uh, okay, so before we go to Spielberg. Um, credit to our sponsor, Bet Online. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24/7, or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden bracket challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And live right now on Bet Online's YouTube channel, you'll find an exclusive interview with ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Greg Craig Hodges to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they are calling the Final Dance. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. Um, the last dance feels like it was like six months ago, man. Doesn't it? Like, it was, like, <laughs> was it like three weeks, two weeks? Like it, 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 yeah, it was under a month. It was under a month when it, when it, when it, when it, it, it might have only been two weeks ago, man. 
And yeah, that, <laughs> this entire year, you know, we always jokingly say, and by we, I mean, you know, it, it gets jokingly said, like, oh, you know, the, 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 this was the longest year ever for you know, the, this past week. This Every single week feels like at least a month for me. Like, every week. Yeah, it, it feels so long ago. Last Monday feels so long ago. Yeah. Oh, crazy, man. <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, Maybe. the co- We're still here, so let's do it. And the, it's like the whole world forgot about, like, corona the last week, but it's still here, too. It, so. it, it didn't forget us. Yeah. Just just wait. Just wait a couple weeks for some, you know, fret, yeah. fret to test to come out. Really, really invigorating, uplifting stuff you're getting from Dunks and Discourse episode 18 in the middle here. Um, okay, <laughs> Spielberg. Okay, so we had, it, you know, it, with Wes Anderson, with Quentin Tarantino, with Christopher Nolan, when we're talking, you know, 8 to 12 movies, um, it's easy to run through them all. Spielberg's body of work is immense. Um, is quite immense. So rather than walk through every movie, um, neither Jabari or I have seen, I think, all 43 or 44 movies that Spielberg has directed, we'll give our top 10 and the listener top 10. So um, with that, number 10 for the listeners was Minority Report. Okay. Is this in your top 10? It is in my top 10, but it is okay. not my It is not my top 10. Yeah, my top 10. What? That- it is in your top 10, it but it's not your top 10? It is in my top 10, but it is not 10. Okay. Okay, so I, I don't have it in my top 10. It's an enjoyable movie. I love Colin Farrell. I feel like he's underutilized a lot of the time. Um, we can talk about it more when you bring it up. But yeah, listeners had Minority Report at number 10. I had uh, E.T. at number 10. Ooh, people are going. People from my generation are definitely going to destroy me because I did not put E.T. ET in my top 10. It's just outside, but it's not there. I had Amistad as, as number 10 there. Okay, and and this is the thing. Like this is this is a hard list because um, I I went through the list when I was making the forum for listeners to vote on. I was like, that was Spielberg too. Like, yeah, let me just double check how many movies it is. But it, it it's a it's a lot of movies. He he has done a lot of work, and we've already talked about. Oh, he has fifty seven credits as the director. Exactly, and you know what? The truth of the matter is, this guy's like the Will Chamberlain when it comes to hits. Like, it, it, there are too many to be to just narrow it down to ten. Like, for instance, I I would be stunned if Close Encounters of the Third Kind is anywhere near, you know, the, you know, the, the listener's list. That's on, you know, like, that's on there. Jaws probably isn't even on there. Like, there's so, so many. But actually, I want to actually give credit uh, quickly to at uh, Greener underscore 77, uh, because he pointed out a, you know, a distinction between you know, some of the other great directors and, and Spielberg in particular. Uh and, and I'm, I'm interested in if, if this impacts how you look at him as a director. Whereas Christopher Nolan and Tarantino and some of the other guys that we've talked about, uh, uh, Wes Anderson, they oftentimes work with their own material. Uh, you know, Spielberg doesn't necessarily do that. You know, in fact, the only screenplays of the big ones that you know, that I saw that he was credited for was Poltergeist, Close Encounters, and Goonies. And actually, okay. and, and, and AI as well. So I'm interested. Does that make him like the Phil Jackson, whereas Christopher Nolan would be Popovich? Maybe, although like, and that's the thing too. Like, I didn't even include his produ- his producer credits. Like, yeah. Go- I love Goonies, but he didn't direct it. Yeah, but he, not his- he's credited for the story. That's the reason why. I yeah, it. yeah. And that's another thing too. I was like, do we put when when he was like you know the lead screenwriter or when he was the, the executive producer? Should those movies have been on? Because Goonies is a fantastic movie too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, that's a good point for Greer. Um I, I gave E.T. a 68. What'd you give Amistad? I gave it an 80. I feel like E.T. is a hard one because it has zero rewatch value to me now. Like, trying to watch that movie now is painful. 
And at the time, it, it's funny. That's one of the movies that scared the shit out of my brother. Uh-huh. My younger, my younger brother uh-huh. had nightmares that ET was going to come through the door, which I never understood. I was like, ET's a good guy. When you, you comes through the door, it's all right, man. But it was an um, alien. It was an yeah. alien. Like no, it again. My generation would be mad. For the exact same reason, that's why I didn't have it in there. Like it's, it was great when I watched it. I watched it a ton. Let's just say from like eighty whatever it came out to like eighty nine. I watched it a ton. Now I could not possibly watch that movie. So great movie for what it was, but it, yeah, yeah. I mean, staying power kind of matters. It kind of doesn't. But even at the time, as a, like I didn't love it as a kid. It, 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 I just didn't love it. So I mean, it, it made my top ten out of respect. It is an iconic movie. This has some of the more memorable lines of all time. So credit where credits due. But um, anything you want to say on Amistad, which I have not seen. Amistad is pretty straightforward. It's you know it's a story of you know Amistad. It's a, a, a ship that you know like uh, like five different factions were warring over the contents, which it ended up being a, a group of slaves that were uh, you know that were there for cargo. Um, incredible cast. Jaimin, I always uh, miss say, uh, uh, say his last name wrong. So you, Hansu. There you go. Um, you know uh, Matthew McConaughey, Morgan Freeman, Anthony Hopkins. Like he, it was one of those casts today where Steven Spielberg, Steven Spielberg was just clowning on you. Um, it's you know it, it's it's a Spielberg movie, so obviously you know certain things are cleaned up and certain things are you know are are, are, are pushed you know pushed along. But it's a pretty good story. You know, really good cast and and, and the acting is you know, pretty superior. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at it now. I, and, uh, yeah, that is one heck of a cast. <laughs> that is one heck of a cast. Um, number nine, the the audience had E.T. Okay. I had Hook. Mm, okay. Which I gave a 72. I loved Hook. What do you have at nine? Absolutely love Hook, but Minority Report is my number nine. Okay. And, you know, for, you know, for all for all the reasons, like, like it, it, you know, at the time when it came out, it, you know, it was it was kind of talking, it was talking about things that I certainly hadn't considered, and and you know the concept of the red ball and the concept of you know the, you know uh, predetermining you know, you know folks committing murders and whatnot. And I don't want to give it away completely, even though you know this is the podcast for spoilers. Uh, but for anybody that hasn't seen it, I, I do strongly recommend checking it out. Minority Report is good, and. Um What's the one that that Tom Cruise did a couple years ago that everyone Edge of Tomorrow? Edge, Edge of Tomorrow. Yep. I, I like Minority Report more, but if you're one of those people who loves Edge of Tomorrow and you feel like it deserves more credit, Minority Report's probably in that same that mm-hmm. same vein. It, it uh, is in that same that same vein because I, I, li- I like both of them and I would have them probably rated around the same. I gotta say, if we ever do uh, most traumatic movie deaths for you, mm-hmm. Rufio and Hook, man. Oh man. Okay, that was a tough one. Radio, Rufio, Radio I did Raheem not. He's my one, but Rufio is up there. Who, who's your one? Radio Raheem from Do the Right yeah, Thing. Yeah, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, we don't yeah. even have to go there, but for all of the reasons, yes. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. That that happens to be. Uh, we were talking on the podcast before about I was in a movie class in university, and he was talking about movies that did the most. Uh, the concept of his class was movies that did the most for the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, do the right thing. What that was my first watch of Do the Right Thing was there in that go. class. Um, Man, I saw that in the theater in 1989. I was 10 years old. My goodness. And see, that's me for Hook, man. I yeah. think I was. I, I I think I saw Hook at about 10 years old. And when Ruf, I just did not expect Rufio to get got. You know that? Yeah. It was a it was a kids movie. <laughs> like looky looky, I got hooky, and then he gets stabbed, and he's just a kid, and I don't I don't know what it is about it, man. But that one that one still hurts. I still I still wince a little bit knowing yep. it's coming. That one hits. That one absolutely hits. Because to be honest with you, I had forgotten that he actually died until you just said that because I haven't seen that movie in so long. I mean, again, Dustin Hoffman is Hook. Robin Williams, Julia Roberts, pretty pretty quality cast. 
Um, yeah, so I gave Hook a 72. What'd you give me an order report? Oh, I gave my order report an 86. Oh, I like man. It. I like it that much. Yeah. Oh, so everything above it, you've got over 86 now. Yes, I do. And granted, like, if you've been listening, you know that I'm a harder, harder critic than Jabari, but I, I was stunned when we finished ranking the movies that we'd seen from Spielberg that I had as many as high as I did. But, I mean, you're going to put me to shame on that front it, again. No, it was tough, man. Like, I, 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 We talked about this before the show. I had to go back and say, well, gonna wait a second, time out. Compared to this, this is this. So I, I actually dropped them down a little bit, with the exception of that one. I dropped all the other ones down a little bit in order to be – because you can't have, like, just a, a bunch of 98s. You just can't. I mean, you could, but yeah, uh, but, yeah. but you know, my takeaway. Um, okay, so number eight, um, the audience had Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Ooh, okay. um, which I mean, I have thoughts, but I have it higher up my list. Mm-hmm. Um, I had uh, Jurassic Park: The Lost World, that, and I gave it a seventy-three. Got it. So for me, I've got Schindler's List there. And, okay, and it's an eighty-nine. The, okay, so this is one of those where I totally would understand. Like, say you like you, this movie came out in nineteen ninety two. You wouldn't. You, you would, not only would you not have seen it at the time, but you wouldn't. Have, you know, you, you wouldn't have hit. You know, quite the same. But it's one of those where it's a black and white movie. So I know that that bothers a lot. You know, a lot of people. It even bugs me. You know, it, it drives that, drives me nuts. I, you know, I, I hate to say it, it drives me nuts. And, and I get that. I get that. But if you take the time to watch, speaking generally, if you take the time to watch, it, it's brilliantly, it's brilliantly laid out. It's it's impactful. It's it's lasting. It's one where unfortunately you can still go back and watch it, and it still hits you just as hard. Um, so yeah, no, it, it it's one it. I, I'm not. It's not his best movie, but I could see how, if you're Spielberg, how that might be your masterpiece. Interesting. So I, I I could see it. I could see it too, and like I don't have Schindler's List in my top ten because it's been so long. Mm-hmm. Um, it probably should be there for the impact that it has, but it, it's just it's a tough movie, and and the black and white rewatch is tough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I get it. And it, I wonder. It would be fun to ask him what his his number one was because, like, I, I mean, we're on eight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like. Um, so people at home might be like scoffing at Lost World. I lo- I love Jurassic Park, man. I I love Jurassic Park. Like the the idea of that, like the whole concept is a win. The acting is a win. The writing is a win. It's not cheesy like so many of these other like monster type movies. Like it it, it doesn't even compare to like a Godzilla or you know I. It, it feels so authentic in what it is, despite being so fantastical. And I know Lost World is is uh, not the best out of them, obviously, but still, just such a great movie. Uh, I feel I, I feel about Jurassic Park how like a lot of Star Wars nerds feel about Star Wars. I have to ask: Is that the original or is that the re- the reboot? That's the second one. Oh, so Jurassic Park, then Lost World, then Jurassic Park three, then got Jurassic it. World. Got yeah. it. Got it. Got it. Got yeah. it. Okay. So I, I don't have I don't have that you know like in my top ten, but I, I also think it's I still think it's a great movie. Jurassic, and, and Jurassic Park for me is the one. Like it, it's my Rocky one. You know, it's my Godfather one. It's the it's the one. The other ones are you know have been very entertaining, with the exception of Part Three. Um, the, the other ones have been entertain you know like, have been you know very good movies, but for me like it doesn't really compare to the the way that I felt of course when I first saw that movie. So that that's why it, it still ranks up there for me. And I mean, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I liked I liked Jeff Goldblum mm-hmm. um, more than Sam Neill in Jurassic Park. Yeah. So I liked Lost World. I mean, Jurassic Park three was not great, but it's no. still. Um, but also, you know, you know my guy Vince Vaughn. 
My guy Vince Vaughn's in Lost World, so. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I should have caught that right away. I should have absolutely caught but that it, right away. I still got Jurassic Park coming. Like Jurassic Park okay. is in, in my top ten films all time I, for sure. I got you. Um, okay, so I gave Lost World 73. You gave Schindler's List. What was it one more time? Uh, Schindler's List is an 89. Okay, and the audience had Last Crusade at 8. So number seven. The audience has Jaws at number seven. Now, Jaws is higher up for me as well. I'm assuming it's higher up for you. It is not in my top ten. Boom. They're, they're, you, they're, you don't have Jaws in your I top ten. I don't have Jaws in my top ten because I think it's a great movie. I just don't think it's better than the, you know, than the ones that I got above it. See, that's that's crazy to me. That's like that, I understand. Yeah, that's that's you know, just you, crazy you know to me. You what the problem is? And you, and you know what? No, I'll just tell you now. The problem is I was spoiled going to Universal Studios as a small child, so I saw right away, like, yo, this shit is whack. <laughs> what is this? Like, you know how people you know, would go on that ride, even as kids, and say, like, oh, it's so scary. Right away I said, wait, this is Jaws? This is some trash. Like, it, I, I, oh. I don't know. For whatever the reason is, that wasn't, you know, like, it, it, Jaws doesn't impact me quite the same way as, as other people. Okay, I, I want to save my, my bet on Jaws for when I get to it, but I feel I like Jaws just about probably more than any other movie that came at that time or earlier. Ah, okay. Um, but we'll, we'll get to it. So I had Raiders of the Lost Ark. I gave it an 80. That was my number seven. I, I like Last Crusade best. It's still coming. I, I don't get the argument for um, if you like Temple of Doom, get out of here. Get off this podcast. <laughs> That was, the, that was the crappiest. Crystal Skull is better than Temple of Doom. Well, I'm sorry. I, yeah, you just like Shia LaBeouf because no, it's not. But I, 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 I like I the do energy. love Shia. But I like the energy. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Raiders of the Lost Ark was a classic too, but Last Crusade is iconic to me. So Raiders of the Lost Ark, I gave an 80. Um, uh, what did you have at Raiders seven? of the Lost Ark with an 89. The only oh, thing that changes, the only thing that changes is the ranking. Or the, there you the go. Rating. Excuse me. So Jaws for the viewers, Raiders of the Lost Ark for both of us. Number six. Um, so here you go. The audience did not forget. They had close encounters of the third kind at number six. Okay. Um, at number six, I had uh, the Terminal. Josh, okay, here we go again. Josh, the Terminal, 90. Uh, I gave it an 87, so I'm there catching up to you. Here it is, I, okay. I love the Terminal. Like, I, I love this movie. I, I It's got to be... I've probably seen it eight or nine times. I'm not going to lie to you. This used to be one of those... Matter of fact, we even talked about this the other day. This used to be one of those movies that I would just... You know, back in the day when you still had like a, a tape or a DVD, at the end of the night, if it, if I wasn't watching you know, Above the Rim or you know, Shawshank Redemption or something along those lines, or actually Chappelle's show, it was going to be The Terminal. I, don't, I, I can't for the life of me explain it, but I love this movie. Like genuinely love this movie. Yeah, me too. I, it, it is so heartwarming and rewarding, and has like so many Tucci, uh, <sighs> like like all like all of the supporting cast. Tom Hanks at his best. It's it's phenomenal. Yeah, I, just like they have so many moments from, and I don't even know the actors who all played like the the airport staff that kind of like fall in with Tom Hanks as he's in this dilemma. If you haven't seen the Terminal, essentially Tom Hanks. Um, is a foreign businessman who can't get back to his country because they're in the middle of a civil war, but he can also is not going to be allowed into uh, the United States. So he literally lives in an airport terminal and trying to kind of like finds a way to survive. And uh, he's prodded by Stanley Tucci to try to leave so they can arrest him. But he kind of 
he never quite knows, but he knows that he's not really his friend. It, it's a fantastic movie. And some of the interactions between him and, and the other people at the airport who he wins over, is just, they're incredible. And Diego Luna, by the way, has a mm-hmm. small... Yeah, yeah, fantastic, fantastic show. Yeah, like yeah, I, I had to, I had to look it up because I was like, you know what? No, these guys deserve mention because they're so fantastic. Chai McBride, who's actually one of my favorite, like just bit characters, like bit role character guys. He's you know he he plays in it. Diego Luna, as you mentioned, uh, Kumar Payana. Uh, now, the, I mentioned him specifically because anybody that you know like, that paid attention to our Wes Anderson uh, film one, he's the he's the uh, Gene Hackman's little like assistant in um, in Royal Tenenbaums. You've seen him in a bunch of stuff. But yeah, this has this has that cast: Zoe Saldana, Catherine Zeta-Jones. I might actually end up having to watch this this week. Yeah, and, and Kumar actually has one of the most touching moments of the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it's a fantastic movie, and you, you watch it, and you, like the premise sounds so bizarre, but it's just man, just such a so many moments in that movie that I treasure, dude. Such a great movie. Um, and, and again, it's number six on this list. Exactly. Spielberg, you dog, you dog. Um, Number five, the audience has Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay. I have um, The Last Crusade at 89. And what about you? Jurassic Park at 91. It's, okay. It's, it's, it's tied with the one above that. But yes. Look, Jurassic Park set the tone. It was it, it you know like you know um, like Lost World was for you. It was it was the one for me. It you know it introduced everything. Plus, if you go back and you watch, it's got a sneaky ass cast. Like first of all, like I don't know how in the world I did this. There are times where I, I'll sit there and I'll, I'll turn on Jurassic Park and I'll say, oh, yeah, Samuel Jackson, not only is he in it, he's in it, in it. Like, this, like he's a principal character in it. You know, the, the, but, like, for me, I hadn't even, you know, like, I, I wasn't into, like, you know, Godzilla and all that stuff coming up. Like, yeah, I saw the movies and I thought, like, yeah, whatever. This was the first one where I said, like, oh, shit, hold on now. <laughs> so, and, and maybe it's the timing when it came out, but it, it's still one of my favorites. Okay, here's the thing. I... Also, okay, you know what? I got Jurassic Park still coming. Like, I, I, I literally love Jurassic Park. Um, I've got it still coming, but I'll, I'll talk on Last Crusade for a second because I hate it. Do you have Last Crusade on your list? It's next. It's tied. Okay. 91. Oh, we have them flipped because I have Jurassic Park. Um, Last Crusade, fantastic, fantastic movie. Um, all the way through and through. The only thing that, like, I really want to say is the entrance to that movie with the train Mm. Has gotta be up there. Like if you if you think about the first ten minutes of the movie of a movie, how many movies open better than indie take young indie yeah. launch themselves on that train? Yeah, no, it, it it's a, it's up there. It's absolutely up there. And then honestly, even to when they you know when they kind of wrap that scene, when they just give you the, the just give you a little bit of a hint of the theme song, and you know, yeah, yeah, you know, man, damn, I gotta go back and watch this, man. Okay, <laughs> like. Spielberg is one of those guys where you could easily say I have to go back and watch with 20 of his movies because he's that damn good. Oh yeah, he's got it all. It, it is the last crusade too where he, the the guy in the market's doing all the work with the sword or the whip or whatever and Indy just shoots him. Mm, that's in part 1. That's in part 1 because in, in, is that in, Lost Ark? Yes, Lost Ark. And it, because okay. that, that's that's when if and, and audience please correct me if I'm wrong because it's, you know obviously it's been some years since we've seen some of these but I but if I'm not mistaken that's in part 1 because that I used to laugh my ass off at where Oh yeah. where the guys just going off and going off and you get here before it's like okay, all right, anyway. Pow. Bang. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, no, great movie. Great movie. That's that's a childhood treasure for sure. Absolutely. Um okay, so number 4 the audience has Catch me if you can. Okay. I had Jurassic Park and you have Last Crusade. I had Jurassic Park at a ninety. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's my quick, quick bit on on Jurassic Park. 
That movie, I'm gonna compare it to. I'm gonna compare it to Parasite for you. Okay. Okay. It does three genres very well. Mm. Right. Jurassic Park was a thriller. It was a little bit horror, but it was also kind of like a class drama with moral implications of like splicing DNA and. You know, is this preserving or not preserving a creature? Does a creature that's extinct gone? Like, there were layers to conversa- of conversation you could have about it theoretically. It was entertaining all the way through. The character work from Jeff Goldblum and Sam Neill, um, Sam L. Jackson, the hold on to your butts. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's, what's the big guy's name who gets eaten by the spitter one? What's his name? Uh, uh, well, Newman is what I know him as. Newman, yeah. 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 I, forget, I forget the actor's name. That movie, Jur- Jurassic Park, is just phenom- timeless, man. It's, it's still timeless. Yeah, no, it really is. Now I'm looking up because I'm like I feel guilty that I don't know the guy's actual name. Wayne Knight. There you go. Wayne Knight, uh, a teammate of Michael Jordan as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, and, and on that show that wasn't very good that everybody loved, but we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not the only thing about Jordan that's overrated, but yeah, we won't go there. Um, okay, Last Crusade. Anything you want to say? No, I mean you know for all of the same reasons. It's it's it it. Look, Raiders. When it, you know, when you when you come out the blocks with Raiders, it's like okay, you know, like that that that's you know kicking the door in. But when you're when the second is better than your original classic, there's really not you know, there's really not much else to say. Like yeah, so, some people say that about Godfather two. I you know like after I after thinking about it more, nope, Godfather one is still the better of the two. Um, some people say that about Rocky. Nope, Rocky one is still the better of the two. You know, and, and, and same you know same deal with these, but it's uh. Yeah, no, actually, but you know, but excuse me, but with this one, it's flipped. So it, I can't think of another. I can't think of another part two that was actually better than part one. Yeah, and I mean, uh, Sean, I said it, it said Terminator two. Damn it. Uh, I'm going to say Two Towers, Lord of the Rings, is better than Fellowship of the Ring two. But but it is it is rare. It is harder. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, just really quickly, Godfather one is a lot better than Godfather two. So I don't, I, I don't care. So the thing that comes up with it, I love. See, the things that you don't like, I love the fact that they flash back and they go, but you know, and they and they go and they kind of show, you know, his dad's upbringing, and and then they show, you know, and then and then, and then they show him like circling back and 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 uh, you know, exacting revenge. Um, but I also get that it's just not as good as as, as everything that's laid out in, in part one. Yeah. No. No. Marlon Brando was needed. I mean, yes. Yeah. yeah, Anyway, on that, so I had Jurassic Park. You had Last Crusade. Audience had Raiders of the Lost. Or no, they had Catch Me If You Can. Sorry. Okay. Um, Number three, the audience has Jurassic Park. Okay. Um, I have Jaws. What do you got? Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan. Okay. Here's the thing with with Jaws. It came out in 1975. Mm -hmm. I didn't see that movie until at least. At least 99, 2000. Yeah. Right? So 25 years after after it came out. That movie scared the shit out of me. The trailer with them swimming out scared the <laughs> shit out of me. Like, that movie still hits so much longer. And, and if you're a film nerd, you can talk about what it did for animatronics. You can talk about what it did for story writing. You can talk about the character work. Um, there's a million things you can talk to about on, on, with Jaws and, like, how it changed the industry. I don't even really care about that. Care, care about all that. I'm just saying this is a movie that's you know coming up on 50 years old and it's still scary and I still don't go past my nipples in the ocean to this day. Uh, for real, for real. Uh, <laughs> no, no lie. I, and I, just like Robert Shaw, that whole uh-huh. that whole movie is just so polarizing. Like he, he, you can't take your eyes off of him. 
I, I was surprised. I did a Jaws versus Jurassic Park um, poll, mm-hmm. and like I, I think Jurassic Park is like the the franchise means more to me, and it probably has a little bit more rewatch value. But I, I have them neck and neck. I have them both at nineties, and uh, Jurassic Park blew, blew Jaws out of the water. But I, I feel like Jaws got slept on over here. So, so here's the deal. Of course, earlier, you know, I, I'm, I'm selling it. I don't think it sucks, but I will state this: Jaws is great for what it was. And there's nothing at all wrong with that. It's kind of like how when I talk about '60s NBA, I'm you know when I'm making fun of Bob Cousy. You know, I mean, yes, I mean some of it, but of course I'm, I I recognize it's he, he was great. He was great for the time that he played in. He was part of a he was part of a you know, an absolute machine. You know, so I, I can't take everything away from it. It's the same for me. It's the same with with Jaws. It's gr- it, it is a great film. If I go, I can still go back and watch it. Hey, matter of fact, I remember coming up you know out here you know out here in the states and in Southern California in particular, Channel 13 used to be KCO. They used to show Jaws seemingly like every other weekend, like that, and like you know, like uh, you know, random Charles Bronson films. So I could still, I could still watch it. It's still a phenomenal movie. It's and it, and and it's really just a testament to how great you know Steven Spielberg is because I've got, I've got it like you know kind of right around 13th on my list, which still is obviously still very good. It's just, it, it you know, for, for me. I couldn't put it up. I couldn't put it up against uh, above you know the other two that I have here. And quite frankly, one of them you know it's it's going to shock you because I don't think the listeners are going to have it in their top ten at all. Yeah, no, they don't. Um, I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> here's the advantage of seeing the show notes. They don't. But yeah, no, I hear you. I, I think you're. I still think you're sleeping on it a bit. I think Jaws is just too iconic. But you know, it is what it is. Um, your thoughts on Saving Private Ryan? Because that's still coming for me. Saving Private Ryan, it's what it's one of those where like I used to try to be. I, you know, Josh, you might not know this about me. I can be a bit of a contrarian at times. I can be a bit of a naysayer. So it was one of those movies that I tr- absolutely tried to naysay. I tried to be that <laughs> contrarian asshole that you know. Oh, by the by the way, for folks that you know that you know that love to be play that role on Twitter. As you get older, you realize you're just an asshole. That's just what it is. Like, it's fine to have a differing opinion. But if you're doing it just to be, like, opposing, you're just being an asshole. So, anyhow, that was me when it came to Saving Private Ryan. I used to say, this is an epic movie. It's easily one of the greatest films ever made. Whether you like it as a war film, a story of, you know, a, a story of family, a story of, like, ba- you know, a band of brothers of, you know, you know, quite literally and figuratively. It's got everything you, you know, everything you want there. So... I, it, it, it's 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 honestly almost a perfect movie for me. I gave it a ninety-two, and you know it's right there with the other you know with the other ones uh, that I've got at the top of my list. Yeah, fair enough. I, I mean, I mean, fair enough. And I I have Saving Private Ryan still coming, and I and I I can naysay it while still loving it, but we'll get there. Go for it. Um, <laughs> and and to those of you wondering if I'm going to stop being a contrarian asshole, don't worry, I got fifteen years left of this for sure. At a minute. Um, so the oh, wait, uh, just just to be clear, when I say you, I was speaking generally. <laughs> I actually oh, I know, mean, yeah, I know. Okay, I just I just wanted to clarify. Okay. Um, the number two for the audience was Saving Private Ryan. Number two for me was Catch Me If You Can, which I gave a ninety-two. Okay. Uh, what's your number two? It's Catch Me If You Can. Love. I think I think you could make a case that Catch Me If You Can is the best movie that Tom Hanks. And or Leonardo DiCaprio, are in. Mm-hmm. I think you can you can make a confident case, which is yeah. considering maybe we're talking about two of the three three to five best actors of all time. That is, you know, something. Yeah, I, like look, 
Catch me if, and you know. Then they just sprinkle in people like Christopher Walken just for, you know just for fun. You know, like I I, I can't remember the, um, his mother's name in this movie now, and it's really disappointing me. But she's a phenomenal actor as well. Like they, this movie has everything. It's you know the the chase of it. The you know like the, the luck. You know the, the the back and forth that you have with Leo and you know, you know whether it's he's you know he's a lawyer at one point or a doctor at one point or you know whatever the case may have been. I'll be honest with you. I could watch this. Is the perfect movie for me. I could watch it in any point yeah it's fantastic it's i don't know if it's just shy of three hours give or take mm-hmm. but every minute of it is 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 warranted i guess two and a half hours um you know just kind of the growth of dicaprio's character going through um you know the, the disappointment of his father and uh mm-hmm. in his mother and the marriage and the life that he has you know kind of finding his own way becoming really just you know, a, a prodigy at what he does, even though it's like a criminal act, and the appreciation that Tom Hanks has for him, even as you know he, he's spending his whole life chasing him, is just it, it, it's just beautifully played out, man. And like, yeah, Amy Adams has a role in it. I want to see Jennifer Garner has a role in it. Like, there's there's lots of nice little spots and cameos. Fantastic movie. Yeah, no, it really is. It really, really is. And I was trying to think about like there's Leo's got so many, Hanks has so many, but honestly, I I don't know if there's a better all around movie that either has done. I, I I certainly not one that they've both have been in together, but honestly, it, you, you're probably right. You it, for either of them, you could say yeah, this is their best movie. Yeah, you could, and I mean, it, it's it's not definitive because both of them have such mm-hmm. such immense works, but. Yeah, it, it, it's that good. Like, it's 92. They, they may have, I, I, I can even say it this way, they may have had better individual performances in something else. Like, for instance, I love Tom Hanks in this, but Tom Hanks in Philadelphia, oh my God. But you know, you know what I'm saying? They may have had better individual performances in other movies, but in terms of like just the best movie, yeah, like it, it, it's at least in the conversation. Yeah, I mean, I, I only have... Um six movies so far of the 600 wherever we've ranked mm-hmm. that are 92 or higher and this is okay. one of them so um my number or the audience's number one is schindler's list okay which kind of blew like kind of blew me away and i guess that speaks to how impactful that movie is mm-hmm. you know how, how memorable that movie is how terrible um the things that happened were and and and, and fair enough um i had saving private ryan number one and you had the color purple, correct? I did have the color purple. And so break break down the color purple for everyone, because I the other thing is too the the film work was immense, and as always, if you haven't seen the movie, skip over it. I think we only had eighteen people rank the color purple. And 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 that that, that doesn't shock me. The movie came out in eighty five for one. It's an all black cast for two. Um, and like I. Everybody listens to the show, you know that I'm going to speak frankly about stuff. So you know, hey, you know, you know, go go on the go on the ride with me for a little bit. At that time, nobody was putting black folks in movies. Yes, there had been black folks in movies before, but you, uh, but you, I would hope that everybody can understand the different you know the, uh, you know, the difference there. Uh, they, 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 this was a movie written by you know, like you know, Alice Walker, if I'm not mistaken. If I, I'm pretty sure that, that yeah, it was her book. Um, so so the concept, the you know the the, the breakdown, everything was written from the actual black experience, which, honestly, you still rarely get to this day, let alone, you know, 35 years ago. 
uh, you know, it was about black life. It was about our struggles, you know, our interpersonal you know, relationships, our development, um, some of the family issues that, you know, that, that continue to exist uh, specifically, you know, with, you know, within our community as a result of so many different things that, you know, that, that have kind of been maintained along the way. Like, I'll be honest with you, it's impossible to give it's impossible to give you just like a full breakdown of this movie without you, you know, taking the time to actually sit down and watch it. It's honest. It's raw in ways that a lot of people are uncomfortable with, uh, you know, you know, from my own community. Uh, it's raw in also ways that it may go over someone's head, like if they haven't necessarily had the same experiences. But anybody that is interested in truly kind of getting into some of the, the dynamics, with, you know, within the black community and the dynamics within the black, you know, within the black family. Now, this is not, you know, a catch-all. It's not everybody, but you know, uh, you know by and large, uh, especially you know those of us that you know our families are from the south. Take a look at this movie. It, 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 it may not be anyone's favorite movie, but much like Schindler's List absolutely should be in the same conversation anytime you're having this, it, because it's a masterpiece, because of the subject matter, because of everything that is actually uh, uh, involved and dealing with. The Color Purple, if you call yourself, you know, speaking generally, you call yourself a cinephile, you call yourself someone that appreciates fine film and fine storytelling, it's one that you at least need to see. There, there you go. There's the case. Um, my, my last one was Saving Private Ryan. Okay. Tom Hanks, third time he appeared on my list, so him and Spielberg works. Yeah. Um, here's the thing with Saving Private Ryan. I, I was very much like you. I, I, I hated how much it was hyped. <laughs> I was like, it can't be this good. Like, it, it can't be this good. And I feel like the character work in Saving Private Ryan outside of Tom Hanks is very forgettable. Interesting. Like, I, I, I don't think, you know, Sizemore Burns... Whoever else, Vin Diesel getting got pretty quick there. Um, eh, we didn't need him. I, I, I feel I feel like it's a it's a rather uh, uninspiring performance wise from a lot of the supporting cast. Um, I, I don't know if I'm alone in that. But they, that being said, it's it, it's it's the highest I have it 92. I had it tied with Catch Me If You Can. So either or, but the 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 battle is just. The opening battle on the beach is just D-Day. It, it, we haven't seen anything like it. And the only thing I can think of is is the two towers, Lord of the Rings, Helm's Deep. Um, I, I can't think of any other cinematic battle that goes that long, that that is that intense, that is that well done, that is that captivating. Um, and, and it is, if you, want a, if you want a war movie, it's a war movie. And, it, and it's still a standard for that, so... Yeah, no problem with being here, but that being said, like, I, I think this movie could have been even better if, if you cared a bit more about some of the soldiers or you got a little bit more backstory on someone other than Matt Damon, who really doesn't really get involved until the end anyway. You know, I had never thought about that. And honestly, this is this is part of the reason why I really enjoy these conversations. I, I mentioned it to that guy on Twitter, you know, that you know that I shouted out earlier. I mention it to you all the time. So, I, you know, I, we all have our opinions about these things. We all have like our, you know, you know, somewhat of our minds made up. But you you point something like that out, and I go like, you know what? Damn it! I've never even considered that. I think it's a great movie. I think it's a damn near perfect movie. But if it had had these, you know, these little things, these slight little adjustments. He, he's probably right. It could be, it could be like a hundred at you know damn near a ninety nine or a hundred. Yeah. It makes me wonder if did you know and and I, I think we even kind of alluded to this uh, in uh, two shows ago. Did some of that development end up on the cutting room floor because it was such an epic you know like film that it was what like three hours plus or you know right around there or did he just think that he didn't need to? 
Yeah, and I, I mean, I guess he didn't need to because if you ask, yeah. if you ask the film watching community, like the majority of people, if you say, "Well, what's your favorite? Um, should I, is modern still fair? You yeah. know, modern esque war within, movie? Within they're gonna they're gonna say this. Like, the majority yeah. of people are gonna say Saving Private Ryan, and it does bang. And it, it, I mean, it's action packed, and there's emotion in it, and and you very much understand the stakes. And I think that that's one of the parts of this movie that really registers. Like, for a war that's been, you know, uh, used in patriotic and propaganda and, and glorified and mm. horrified, it does a very good job of encapsulating that. But I still, I still felt like the characters within the movie didn't really get their due other than Hanks. Do you, um, do you think yeah. that Nolan thought he had his Savior Private Ryan with, Dur- with Dunkirk? Yeah, I, I think that's very much what he was hoping for. Okay, yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, again, I, th- I think Dunkirk. What well, I think Dunkirk was an absolutely beautifully shot movie, and it has some absolutely fantastic action sequences. But I think he outsmarted himself again with the timelines and the lack of character development. Um, but still, a really good movie. I can't remember what I had Dunkirk eighty something. Yeah, it was it was up there. The reason why I thought of it is because it's it's right along those same lines with the, with the character development. Because that was my chief complaint about Dunkirk. It was like, wait a second, man. Like, like I legitimately didn't know some of the characters' names by the end of the film. And I and it wasn't one of those ones where I had everything else going on in the background. And I no, I sat there and watched it, and I still didn't know. I still didn't even know some of the names. Um, great, you know, great action and very entertaining. But yeah, I agree. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so that was that was. Uh, do you want to read yours ten to one just to recap? Sure, I got Amistad, then Minority. Going uh, starting at ten, Amistad, yeah. then Minority Report, then Schindler's List, uh, Raiders, Terminate. Oh, it's not Terminator. Uh, the Terminal, uh, Jurassic Park, Last Crusade, Saving Private Ryan, uh, Catch Me If You Can, and The Color Purple. Um, the listeners had Minority Report at ten. Et. The Last Crusade, Jaws, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Jurassic Park, Saving Private Ryan, and Schindler's List. I had at number 10, um, E.T., Hook, The Lost World, Raiders of the Lost Ark, The Terminal, Last Crusade, um, Jurassic Park, Jaws, Catch Me If You Can, Saving Private Ryan, and uh, The Terminal up for me. My, My top six were all in my top 25 movies that we've ranked so far. Man. Man, it's yeah. Look, as much as I, as much as I, uh, as much as I say, uh, I, you know, I, I want to give extra credit to those other guys for being, you know, quote unquote, total artists. This dude is a good. This, 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 this is the goat director, man. This is the goat director. It just is. Yeah, he might be. I mean, if we do Martin Scorsese, but that it's close. It's yeah, close. But in terms I of mean, actual hits, like Scorsese, he has them. But I don't think he can. I don't think he can compete with this dude. The body of work is going to be tough. Yeah, just because of how many this guy has been, you know, he's, he's done. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of like, it might be the, um, it might be the Jordan-LeBron debate. Mm-hmm. Like, even if you, if you feel like LeBron had a better season or a better year, the body of work yeah. from Spielberg, the collective greatness over a longer period of time is going to be tough to, to ignore. Um, and then, like, like we said, like, the movies that he, that he had his hand in, that he didn't direct would just take this to another level. Yeah, it, it makes it so it, it, it's just not a fair conversation. It's like that, um, that, that's actually why I said I, com- I compared him to Will earlier. I was like, he's the Will. Like, you put you put any of these guys' numbers up, it's like, oh, these are great. Oh, yeah, you can put them next to Wilts. Ah, uh, well, uh, you know, you have to have con- you know, contextual conversation, things of that nature after that. 
So to paint a broad picture of the next couple shows for everybody, uh, next, so this Thursday in your feed, we're going to do Denzel movies. We're going to pivot from, from directors for a minute. Um, we're going to do Denzel. So we'll have a Denzel form out. Uh, we'll rank, uh, do you want to do top 10 or do you want to do um, kind of like what we did today or do you want to just do like what we did before where we had, we just walk through the listers top 10? I was I was gonna say kind of like today seemed kind of fun to be honest. Yeah, let's do. We'll do that. We'll do top ten Denzel films. Um, we'll do the same thing. We'll pull. I'll put all the Denzel movies up there, and we'll let listeners rank them, and we'll we'll walk through the three lists. Um, and I mean, of course, we, as NBA news comes, we'll pretty much always open the show with whatever's going on in the NBA, and then we'll go to movies. Um, so Denzel on Thursday, and then on Monday we're gonna do uh, top ten comedies. Yeah. And uh, it, it's funny because, you know, the movie list hasn't gone public yet, but I had a friend who I let take a look at it, and he was like, you know, how can Step Brothers be, like, as high as it is? And I'm not going to give it away, but I'm like, you rank movies within their genre, right? Like, Step Brothers is to the comedy genre for me what Saving Private Ryan might be to the war genre. Yeah, no, I, like, obviously, if you're, if you're saying, like, oh, okay, like, what, what do you consider to, like, the, like the greatest film of all time? Greatest film all time, Jerry Maguire, probably. So, yeah, so like Jerry Maguire, like some people would say, well, you can't possibly rate that the same as you would rate like a Schindler's List because of impact. No, like you know, I agree with you. It's 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 based upon its genre. It's also to me, I would almost I would almost rather do like the the greatest comedies of the last twenty to twenty five years even. Not saying that you know one sixty years old can't compete, but you know what I mean. Like like I I would even be you know, go as far as to break it down to you know to, you know to to, to that level. I think what we'll do for Monday, rather than like try to like put in like the top hundred comedies that people could vote in, would be, um, I might say like pick five, you know, I might, I might do like a pull down list of, mm-hmm. you know, and and we'll maybe I'll do them by like the ten years. I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll figure out a way okay. to let the, the listeners have a say and get their votes in there too. But yeah, we'll do our top ten comedies, um, and that will be uh, today was episode eighteen in your feed Monday morning. We'll do Denzel Thursday morning, so the following Monday. You will get uh, top top ten copies. Awesome, cool. Um, once again, if you haven't liked, rate, subscribe, shoot us a review, hit us up on Twitter. We appreciate your feedback and the support. Take it easy. Be safe. Be well. Uh, see you Thursday. <laughs>